There will be bears. Strangers on the internet, welcome to Nitwick, the podcast about friends and video games. Now, today we go big by going small, off to the handheld market, to discuss games that reside on the tinier screens, the games that warm our hearts, our souls, and our pockets. My name's Drew Fasciano, it's a pleasure to talk to you this evening, and fun fact, in my pocket right now is an Altoids container with four Altoids in it that I'm saving for a very special occasion. Are you, are you going on a hot date? Um, a very special occasion, a very special occasion for four Altoids, That's... and I will give no more details other than that. How are you, strangers? Do you have some soda, Drew? <laughs> what the... I will not answer these questions about the contents of my pockets. Now someone else tell me about the contents of their pockets. Let's stop talking about my pockets. Yeah, let's talk about Adam's pockets now. And in my pockets is a whole lot of nothing. Because I just changed pants. And there is nothing in my pockets. Nothing at all. Except lint. So empty, there's lint in my pockets. That's pretty nice. Empty heartless lint? Oh, uh, yeah. That's, you know. Normally, normally my pockets are full of my wallet, my phone, and my keys. Not very exciting. I don't. Ha- I don't have anything special coming up with those four Altoids I might need. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, hi there. I'm Zach, and in my pockets is my keys. Hey! Get rid of them! Get rid of them! They're gone. <laughs> we, we, we are not asking. having it in the. We stopped asking, We're... and he kept holding on to them. We had so many episodes where there was just jingling and jangling that, like, pre-recording, everybody like, all right, take your keys, throw them away. And I, and to clarify, I throw them away. I, I literally did so just now and I throw it into my D&D box. Which is conveniently right next to you for all possible times you need to do D&D. Makes perfect sense. Very on well, top of my room, but yes. Are you, like, running a campaign while, while recording with us? I might be. When he goes quiet, he's actually just, like, planning out stuff. Zach, yeah, what was that you were Zach? saying about Bioware games? What? What about Bioware games? Excuse me? Hello? Uh, nothing, nothing. It was a joke about you playing D&D when you're supposed to be talking about Bioware games, but you're not because you're playing D&D instead of talking about Bioware games. That was my funny joke for the day. Hello, I'm Drew. I'll be here all year. Damn, he tapped out with one joke so early <laughs> into the podcast. That's right, it's on you two to carry now. Have fun with it. My shoulders right, are well. gonna hurt so bad at the end of this. Oh dear. Oh yeah, dear. especially because I can't carry all that much. <laughs> oh, you know what you can carry though. What's that, Adam? Probably a handheld. <gasps> Adam, it's oh. so weird that you talk about that because we're here to talk about handhelds this week. Whoa! It's almost like I planned that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you, you jokester. All right, people. <laughs> All right, people, this week's topic is handhelds. We haven't done a discussion on them, and they are a huge part of what makes gaming gaming, and it seemed like a pretty good thing to uh, wrap our hands around, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Heyo. 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 <laughs> this is going to be a lot of, like, I feel like this is going to be a very innuendo-heavy, like, episode. It probably doesn't need to be, but it's going to be. It's the handheld, just the phrasing. Like, like all the phrasing is so easily susceptible to dick jokes. It's a little un- unnerving. <laughs> We're going to get through it, though. We're going to get through it. <laughs> um, I guess to normalize. Um, yeah, so 
Handhelds, we are, for those who don't know, they are, we're making the distinction of gaming devices that you can carry with you and have outside of your room or your gaming center of choice. Um, and I'm pretty sure they don't need any more explanation. They're a bit self-explanatory, so maybe well, with we should... one hmm? very specific clarification, phones are not handhelds? Actually, I, I was thinking about this earlier, and I very strongly believe that they count as it. And if Yeah, you... I, I mean, I'd, okay. I'd I, say so. I think they count as something separate, if because a handheld is a um is a device specifically made for the purpose of playing games on whereas a phone has a more like it's a phone in in our current vernacular phone means that device that does a bunch of different things whereas a handheld a handheld console which is like the full name of it for, for handhelds is that it's a console for video games. So it's just like the, the dedicated console versus yeah. a thing that can play games. So yeah, exactly. I, he, here's I mean, why I disagree with that. He, here's why I disagree with that. Um, if that is how we are discussing a gaming machine, then it's almost like, like the inverse of like a PC, right? Like you have a computer that is very capable of playing high fidelity games, but it is also right. made of other components and not specifically sold to you by a company. And I feel like a phone fits into that category very well. It right. is a very capable device. Are you trying to say, so what you're telling me is that mobile games are the PC gaming of handhelds. Yeah, um, essentially. I, That's kind of what he's arguing. I, I just... I mean, I totally agree with you. I, I think, uh, like, you know, we're kind of probably jumping ahead a bit uh, mm -hmm. on kind of our discussion train on... But, like, yeah, I don't know. I always thought, like, mobile phones could be considered games. There's plenty of them out there now. Like, I think most mm -hmm. people... Um, I remember reading a statistic somewhere, and I know this falls into the he's pulling this out of his ass statistics. Uh, I remember reading somewhere that, like, most people play games these days on their phone. Just because it's, yeah. it, like, of all the benefits that, you know, handhelds have that we'll, we'll talk about in a bit. Um, mobile phones also have that with the added benefit of, hey, it can do pretty much anything else you want on it. It's a small computer in your hand. Mm -hmm. um, I think generally most people will kind of consider, like, what, what Zach was saying of like a dedicated gaming console. Um, and I think that's mostly what, like, when quote-unquote gamers talk about it, that's where they're making the distinction. Yeah, uh, I mean, the other, the other reason I make it is because um, it this is becoming more and more intertwined, but it's just because mm -hmm. there's different kinds of games that show up on each of them, mm -hmm. and they they market in very different kinds of ways. I um, I still think you would be discrediting a whole slew of very good, well-designed games if you were to say phone games don't count as handheld devices. I, mm -hmm. I, I really don't. I feel like I understand the idea of the distinction. Like, uh, uh, and the other thing is, like, outside of the 3DS, the, like, handhelds don't really do touchscreen. Why? Um, I mean, that would assume that you don't count a phone as a handheld device, though, which I, I do. Right, well... <laughs> yeah. Now, I'll be honest, I'll, like, most of the stuff I'll talk about or, like, the memories I have of, like, handhelds are mostly from, like, like the Game Boy line. Uh, mobile phones are kind of interesting in that, like, there are a lot of big games on there. I, I haven't played that. I don't play that many games on my phone, but I know a lot of people do. And I think yeah. there are, like, a lot of really high-profile games on your phone. And, um, and just, just to clarify, I'm not, like, discrediting the phone as a gaming device. It is indeed a gaming device. He's trying to figure um, out, how can I get more episodes out of this? Yeah, I'm trying to bring more episodes out of this. <laughs> and I think, like, an entire episode could be handled on every handheld, not including phones. 
I mean, I, I would argue you could do that phones. for almost any console of any kind. We, we could have a PS4 episode. We could have a Game Boy episode. We could have right. an well, Engage you, well, no, episode. No, no, no. This, I think this would be more like um, having a console episode versus a PC episode. Stay tuned, folks. That one's on the docket. It is. It is. Yeah. And, uh, so, well, and, anyways, we, we have disagreements here. We do. So. I, I guess, yeah. Well, we're kind of getting nitty gritty. Do we do we want to do any other like setup thing for ours? Because I know we have our list of questions. Uh, well, um, our first beyond, like, question what's is, uh, what are we counting as a handheld? Like that was that was our opening. So oh, okay, that yeah. was the opening. We one, are yeah. actually kind of on. Like I understand the schedule keeping. I totally get it. It's just that is how we how we are opening the gate. Just because it kind of dictates the rest of the conversation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like I said, for phones as a handheld, I totally would count that um likewise i would actually count most of the even like the single game handhelds uh if you got like the like, tiger electronic little things um the, I, let's see there's because there's a lot of handhelds that i think i think when a lot of people think of a handheld most people immediately think of the game boy mm-hmm. or some or like the psp or vita but there's like a whole slew of these things it's not just like those and the uh uh and like mobile phones, there's like the Tiger Electronic games, which are usually oh, like one single game that you'd pop in. Uh, yeah, I loved those as a kid. Like those were those were candy to me. They were fantastic. I had a little, the little, little racing one. Handhelds. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Tamagotchis. Those are pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. There, there's like a whole slew of like these little devices which are handheld games. Now with that, with the Tamagotchis uh, and those ones, those ones almost those ones would also kind of fall into like the single game one but they also had like this aspect of you kind of just set it and kind of forget it and walk around like i didn't have a tamagotchi i mean it's i i had one of the little uh they were like a digimon digivice thing but it kind of worked the same way right it's it's like a furby but not totally fucking creepy man furbies are so creepy though who thought that was a good idea i don't know (laughs) they never die they never die i had a friend who had a furby and like she kept it under her bed and so, like, it... it Why? Like, uh, because she wanted nightmares, I guess. Because the thing, like, doesn't really turn off unless you do something very proper with it. And then it'll just randomly be like, Hey! I'm here! I, I remember my cousin Greg uh, apparently got a Furby. I, I can't remember if it was my cousins, my other cousins, or if it was my... Uh, or if he just had one or something. But I remember he skinned one and had, like, the skin just kind of hanging around. It's like, this is so Why? <laughs> this is so goddamn creepy, Greg. I can't deal with this. Why did skin the Furby? That's super evil. I don't know. That's super evil. Um, but yeah, like, there's a ton. Like I said, I feel like I feel like the Game Boy has kind of become what Band-Aids became to, like, you know, Band-Aids. Where it's like, that's a it's a brand name, but everybody knows it by, like, this one particular thing. Right, yeah, Like, yeah. how many times did your mom come by and say, oh, you playing your Game Boy? It's like, it's not a Game Boy, mom. It's something else. Mm. It's it's my Vita, well, mom, I mean, or whatever. <laughs> Admittedly, oh, if, if I'm holding a 3DS, then I would be like, it's not a Game Boy, Mom, it's a Game Boy. Yeah, well, <laughs> actually, I had somebody fucking, like, call me out on that, because we were talking about uh, handhelds, and, and, like, are we talking about the Game Boy, and I called it, a ga- like, we were just talking about a Game Boy, and I somehow like, slipped in, like, oh, it's a DS, and somebody just was like, walking through the office kitchen, was like, oh, it's not a Game Boy, it's a DS, and like, hey, shut the fuck up, I don't <laughs> got time for like- your... A DS is a Game Boy. It's called Game Boy Advance. That's a GD. Uh, well, that's a, that was the Game Boy oh. Advance. The Nintendo DS technically is its own line. Oh, is it? Uh, it so it the Nintendo DS technically is its own line of handhelds. The problem is, is that 
Nintendo kind of dominated the market with the Game Boy that everybody says, like, oh, it's the new thing. It's like, except for, like, the Switch, which were very clear, like, it's not a Game Boy, it's the Switch. It's not, a, it's not a 3DS, a Game Boy 3DS, it's a Nintendo 3DS. I think that like the that. Game Boy, because it was, like, the yeah. first <laughs> hyper-successful handheld that, you know, was, like, super recognizable and, like, everyone wanted it, everyone kind of had it. It's very easy to default to someone has gaming device in hand. It is Game Boy of some kind. It is maybe an Advanced or an SP or a Nano or whatever variants they've created. But it mm-hmm. is somewhere in the Game Boy realm. Like, I wouldn't now, I wouldn't fault someone for that. Like, I would say, like, that is a perfectly fine, like, assumption if you're just seeing someone carrying magic box in hand going, I want that magic box. Yeah. Now, to be fair, nobody's going to confuse a fucking um, mobile <clears throat> phone for a, a Game Boy unless yeah. you get it in the specific case. And I've seen those these days. Mm-hmm. Where it's like a specific case that you put your phone in to look like a Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because like Some you can people... play emulators on it. You can put like oh, a, a oh. Game Boy Color emulator, and the controls are on the touch screen. So you slip it in, and now you can kind of do diddly dab. Now it feels like oh oh because it yeah okay that makes sense yeah well as can well, I can I segue real quick of course um, the Tiger Electronic things because I I know we have our next question I feel like you just uh, want to talk about not... Tiger Electronics I feel like you just I, so here's it. my thing I want to talk about them for a quick second but they are certainly not I don't know if they fall into any of these um any of these questions because they're certainly not my favorite uh, but can I, I can I look up what in the hell you're talking about they were like single game like handhelds and it was usually styled after like um. I remember the ones I saw were, like, styled after a comic or a movie. And I remember that was, like, the very first handheld, I like, game I ever had. Um, and I thought that's pretty much all handhelds were. It was just, like, you'd buy this one device to play on this game. Uh, and, Drew, the only reason I want to bring this up is because I'm really curious who else actually played these things. Because mm. I always considered them, like, a poor man's Game Boy. I had, like, I think the one I played the most was, like, the, uh, the Jurassic Park one. Mm, mm. Um, I don't know if you remember any of those ones. I had the, I had a few. I had the racing one that I was very obsessed with, where you were a little racing car, and it was the simple game of cars coming down. You must dodge them, like almost Frogger style, but it's like a, a constant runner or an endless runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an endless runner before endless runners were endless runners. That's how that's yeah. how precursor we're getting here, and uh, and all the, yeah, it had like super simple sound effects and super simple graphics. Um, like you said, like kind of a low budget Game Boy, but it was also addicting as freaking hell, and uh, I quite liked that one. And I I know I had a few yeah. others, but that's the one that I remember the most. So I I spiritually so, understand where you're coming from. Yeah, Zach, I threw a picture of one in the chat just so you yeah. can see what I'm looking at. I, it's those kind of things. I looked it up. Apparently, a, a couple of Sonic games ended up on Tiger Electronics. Oh yeah, like they're really goofy because they're like they did this thing that I actually don't know how it's done, but it, like all of the sprites that the game could show in its entirety are all already on, like, the screen. It's just, like, they aren't lit up. It's kind of like a oh, like a yeah, digital yeah, yeah. clock does its stuff. Kind of like these how, are all uh, sprites. Like how Mr. Game & Watch worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't remember what kind of screen, like, what the technology there that, that does that. But I always thought they were really neat. Um, and I just wanted to bring them up because I honestly don't think anybody was going to say, like, yeah, the, the Tiger Electronic is my favorite handheld, mm. and... The Nintendo 3DS can really fuck right off. (laughs) They're unique. They're unique in what they offer, but I don't, I can't, I can't say it's my favorite. My favorite is, is coming up, 
is coming up. <laughs> Why, if only there were a good question, like, what is your favorite handheld? Why did you like yeah. it so much? And what games were on it? Oh, yeah. Drew, What's start us off. handheld, Drew? <laughs> well, um, let's see here. If I'm going to, like, live off of my nostalgia and, like, just what sticks out to me is, like, my primest example of handheld fun time. Uh, the Game Boy Advance was kind of a game changer for me, in, if only you because it's, it allowed me to take all the Game Boy games I already had. And for context, there was the Game Boy and then there was the Game Boy Advanced, which was just, you know, more powerful. It could have, you know, higher resolution games and whatnot. Um, and so I could play my Zelda, I could play my Pokemon, I could play all my stuff on it. And... If it was an older game, I could stretch it. I could stretch it to be widescreen, and if it wasn't, then so whatever. It also had freaking Fusion on it, uh, Metroid Fusion, which was fantastic. Uh, had Minish Cap. It had some good Zeldas. It had a lot of really good stuff on it, and because mm-hmm. it played well with my game uh, GameCube, um, every so often I was that guy who got like little extra treats because I plugged my Game Boy thingy into the GameCube. And I liked it, you know, it had some good stuff. I thought it was pretty powerful and it just, it's, I don't think it's like the best based off of quality, but I just think for me and the life I've lived, it certainly like has a very large, this was handheld for me flag that lights up. So I'll follow off, I'll follow up with you because, um, my favorite handheld is also the Game Boy Advance, but, uh, in particular the Game Boy Advance SP, um, Mm. but I like the Game Boy Advance in total just because... One, it was like such a big upgrade from the old Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. Um, it was like it, it was basically essentially a handheld 32-bit system. It was a handheld Super Super Nintendo in your hand for the time, um, and that was a really big upgrade from like a Game Boy or Game Boy Color, where you'd get like kind of some color, kind of some whatever. But now it's like you have like a full like full color thing. There's a wider range of music that you can go on there, um, and I liked it for a couple other reasons. Like, one, it had a lot, some of my favorite games of all time on there. Like, it has Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Oh my it god, had, it does! Um, oh, I forgot Pokemon about that Ruby one. and Sapphire were on there, and those are still my favorite Pokemon generations. Mm-hmm. It has the three big, like, Castlevania games on there. Really? Um, and we can, if we do round robin, like, talk about, like, why these work, uh, I can go in detail more on those. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that was super great about it and Drew kind of already said this, is that that thing was fucking backwards compatible. <laughs> like, you had all your old Game Boy games, just fucking throw it in. They're still good. They're still work. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to pay um, for a remaster. Uh, yeah. no, 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 you no, didn't have to do shit. Well, just, just you so, own it, throw it in, you're good <coughs> to go. It was a pure time. Yeah, it was a good time. There, are, there were some remasters, but those were, like, from the Super NES, and it, like, the Super NES had been out for, like, ten years, and it was getting kind of hard to find when these things showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I specifically wanted to talk about the SP for a second, if only because of how much of an upgrade it was from the base Game Boy Advance to the Game Boy Advance SP. So the Game Boy Advance was, um, you know, a single form, like it, it would, you kind of held it, um, widthwise and it was like widescreen or something. Uh, this one was lot less taller than the Game Boy Advance, but it also was a clamshell so you could close it and it was more might like more pocket sized. Uh, it had backlighting. It had better button placement, uh, I found. And I think the only thing that was missing was it doesn't have an audio jack for some reason. Huh. And that was that was kind of goofy for the SP, but oh well, whatever. I'm pretty I thought the Game Boy uh, Advanced had one. I'm pretty sure pretty sure there was it does. Audio... Oh, okay. I guess the SP doesn't. That's that's the, weird, yeah. That makes me sad. That is weird. Yeah. 
but yeah, uh, Game Boy Advance is kind of when I think of uh, handheld games. That's the one I immediately go back to. I I'm think that's because I had the most time back then. I, I have to, to say, I I was when I saw the SP, I I wasn't thrilled by it. I was very skeptical. I didn't understand why I would want it versus versus my humble advanced. It just seemed more because there were so many upgrades on it dude oh yeah i guess yeah, i guess that's why it was that special. backlighting was a big thing like to be able to actually see that game at night mm. that was a good thing mm. Mm. fair enough oh and Zach? you can play uh sorry sorry go ahead mm. what could you play oh, i was gonna say um there was that game that it had like a little solar strip on the back um and you would like power your character with sunlight and then you could use it at, at night and it was like yeah uh, well that was Boktai. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly, Boktai actually works better on the Game Boy Advance, if only because it's a top loader. So if like, you're holding it, you load the game from the top, whereas the SP has is a bottom. Like you load the, you put the cartridge in the bottom. So oh. I actually would think the the, the solar ship would be fa- pointing towards the ground on an SP. Oh no! <laughs> Design That's, flaw. It's like, oh, pretty dear. great. Well, Zach. Uh, Zach, do you, you have a favorite uh, handheld? So, uh, let me, I'm going to tell you a little story about my journey with handhelds. It's not a very long story. When I was a kid, my parents got me and my brother Game Boys, and we had Pokemon on them, and it was fun. And then I stopped giving a fuck about handhelds. You're really good at adding. I don't know why, but (laughs) we just stopped playing handheld games. I think we were more focused on the big console stuff. I can tell Zach will be contributing a lot to this handheld conversation oh yeah so much (laughs) um and then like i want to say like three years ago i really wanted um oh i think it was like bravely default or something Mm -hmm. and i ended up getting a a 3ds for christmas and then bravely default which was great oh i i know why it's because i was uh commuting into the city via bart and i just wanted something to fucking do on the train Mm -hmm. that is a very valid answer for winding a handheld yeah, and so, and I really wanted to get it. I like. I also was like, "Hey, I, I think I should start playing more Pokemon games." Not a bad idea. Uh, I was like, all these people, all my friends are talking about Pokemon all the time. Like, I guess I should get, I should get some Pokemon. So I got a 3ds. Yeah. And, Can I just? Oh, go ahead. And then I got a Switch, which I guess counts as a, as a, as a handheld. It's weird to me because I almost never use it in that way. But mm-hmm. and we'll get to that later. But uh, so, what's I your just, favorite one? Like of the list of handhelds that I just gave you, there's literally only three. And my favorite would be the 3DS because it's enabled me to play a bunch of games that I've been meaning to play. Nice. Yeah. You, do you usually play it uh, in like the 3D mode, or do you usually turn that off? Or what games I, on there have you liked? Let me tell you. Turning on the 3D mode on the 3DS is, it's like, hey, Zach, do you want to give yourself a headache? Why, yes, Zach. Why not? <laughs> yes, I do. Every once in a while, I turn it on, and I look, like, look at like for five minutes, and I'm like, I don't know why they did this, and I turn it off again. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the original 3DS, uh, the 3D effect on it was okay, but I don't know. It's definitely not the best they could have done. I think they did really improve it with the uh, the new 3DS. Well, because there's the 3DS and the new new 3DS kind of deal. Uh, okay. I think they did a bit better on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got to be honest, for most of the 3DS, I actually don't use the 3D effect because I haven't found that many games that actually use it that much. Other it, than like as a weird cosmetic thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of. It, it feels like a very... like. It, 
it's like a weird thing Nintendo threw onto a handheld that I don't think anyone really needed, but it probably sounded cool when it was initially announced. Like, yeah, it was a very good gotcha, I think. Yeah, I mean, it does have some like really cool things. I, I've seen some games uh, where it, like just as an aesthetic thing, having the 3D effect on can kind of make it like look like it looks cooler or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just 3D is one of those things that if you look at it for too long, it can kind of mess with your eyes, especially if there's uh, and this is something we I have to deal with at work all the time of like because we do 3D applications. It's it has something to do with like the left right detection on on like the eyes. Uh, huh. And whether or not the, it ever goes out of out of sync with each other or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes one of the big things of 3D is that you can get this effect called ghosting, mm-hmm. where you're looking at an object, but there's kind of a halo effect around it of the previous frames or of the other frame there, and that can really throw you off. So, oh, is it, that it was a good try. I don't really know if it. I don't really know if it worked because I feel like they kind of stopped promoting the uh, the 3D effect on yeah. their 3DS. Yeah, they mm. pretty quickly, like, once people were like, man, I'm not that interested in this, they stopped promoting it. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't even know it had a 3D effect until after I bought the 3DS. And I was like, oh, right, there's a 3D effect on it. Well, Can I ask you, when you bought the 3DS, it never clicked that there was a 3D in the name? I I thought, <laughs> listen, uh-huh. I still thought that the 3DS was called the Game Boy 3DS. Oh, and you thought it was like the third generation. Uh, yeah, oh, go. gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Because <laughs> I knew because I knew about GBA. I knew about Game Boy Advance. And so I was like, oh, it's the Game Boy 3DS, obviously. Come oh. on. Mm. All right. So we have we have discussed our glorious favorite handhelds of choice. Um, mm-hmm. Do we want to go over some like some like highlighted games or do we do we want to like move into our next yeah, question about just uh, like the yeah big let's just move into itself. the games because i think i think talking about the games will just answer those questions yeah all right, all right. uh i was gonna say yeah just one thing to throw out there um zach you said like how you were playing like a handheld and then you saw like i should play more pokemon or something i just want to say i don't like the fucking pokemon i think has single-handedly just like held up the entire handheld market if only because of how massive it is. Yeah, it's, it's gigantic. So if, if we're talking about like handheld games, it cannot be understated how big an effect Pokemon had on handhelds. Mm. Yeah, like half the reason I got a 3DS is so so that I could play Pokemon. Mm. Um, theoretically, um, with my siblings, but also with yeah. friends. <laughs> And I actually, I think uh, one of the reasons Pokemon like took off so well, uh, and that kind of goes into what into the second question of how is the handheld game experience different from yeah. a big screen one yeah uh it's just that like ha- like pokemon is a very like social kind of game like you you usually you're playing it and you kind of walk around and talk to the people and i don't think you would have ever been able to have that had it not been on a handheld where like one of the big things of a handheld is that it's way more mobile than a big screen thing like yeah. oh, you yeah. can just walk around and have it in your pocket or you have it on the train and you can pull it out and then look now you're playing it, and look, we can all just bring our Game Boys together and play Pokemon or, like, uh, Advance Wars. Hmm. Fucking, I fucking love Advance Wars. Did you guys play Advance Wars? <laughs> I, you know, I always, I always saw all the little animations, no. and I saw other people playing it, and it looked super mm-hmm. cool, but I was, I, it always looked way overcomplicated for me, and I, I just kind of <laughs> didn't want to step into it for a while. Like, yeah. Um, it looked really well, cool. I, bring it up. I just was afraid of it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it had a really cool thing where, like, and this is kind of true of all handhelds, is that, like, me and my friends would play Advance Wars, and the way we do this is you'd actually only get one Game Boy Advance and set up multiplayer, and you just kind of pass it around to everybody, and I don't know if that would really 
worked with like a a big screen one because it's like yeah you could just pass a controller but there was something more like there's something way more social about a handheld than a big screen one you know that sounds yeah. like the most social possible way of playing a handheld game by the way yeah that you have to literally hand the device over to the next person and so, so you could have like four people playing against each other and they'd all be just sitting next to each other and so like three of them are just can just like chat yeah the and, and, like the other one's making their turn that's two of the, my points on on why i think they're better it's just like not uh different than the big screen is that like one they're mobile two you get this weird social thing and like pokemon worked for both of them because oh god it does i think one oh, thing i'm sorry that I, I, it i'm helps. tiring you out <laughs> i listen man this is my natural state <laughs> being tired yeah well you know in dark souls the natural state of humanity is as weird ghost things my natural exactly. state is just being tired oh i see yeah <laughs> you were saying drew um, you know, talking about Pokemon, one thing that comes up about like why it works so well on mobile, and I, I think this trickles down to mobile in general, is it, it's a really good way to kind of mi- mitigate the grindy aspects of that game. Like, I'm imagining mm-hmm. if I had to sit down and play uh, Pokemon, traditional Pokemon, the way I would, like, you know, an, R- an RPG or anything else that I, like, sit down on a console for. And, like, mm-hmm. it's not a particularly engaging system. There's a lot of waiting around and farming. But because it's mobile and you can kind of just pick it up and go, pick it up and go, like, it's not very annoying. Like, it, I think that helps it out a lot to have something that kind of would, I probably wouldn't be as down with and just completely ignore that bad part. And then I can concentrate on all the cool stuff that I want to concentrate on whenever I pick the damn thing up. And, yeah. and I think, like, again, like a lot of mobile games have that, you know, like you do a little thing, you farm a little thing, so on and so forth, eventually it gets done. And being able to walk around and kind of treat it like a little task in between things probably helps a certain type of game a lot like makes it a yeah. lot more tolerable yeah. i was actually say yeah because like i was thinking about that and that was definitely something i think also really helped and, and again going back to pokemon is exactly said i don't know if i would have sat down to like in like a in front of my gamecube or my ps4 and like grind it out as much for pokemon but just because i could i had it on me all the time i could walk around and do something like mm-hmm. i was just on the go you can kind of just chip away at it a bit and i think that really helped for like um for that game, and then just like mobile games, uh, sorry, handheld games in general, uh, can just be like they're very quick to boot up. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, no, no, it does. I can it does. Qualify it does. this better. It's it feels like there's way less hesitation to be like I'm gonna play like a couple minutes on my Game Boy or 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 whatever instead of I'm gonna have to sit down and update like everything on this console these days. Oh, that's kind of oh yeah, that's one so huge advantage. Random <laughs> that's one yeah. huge advantage. Like, it wasn't as much of a problem when we were younger and consoles weren't doing that, like, always tied to the internet thing. Some of them didn't even have mm-hmm. internet capability. But these days, like, I can't really do a game where it's, like, I can't just turn on a game and go. There's usually going to be, like, three updates from, like, the Sony store about some crap I don't want to deal with. Um, whereas on my phone, pop, click button, playing some Super Hexagon, everything's great, no worries here. Mm-hmm. Instant gratification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Zach, did you have anything to throw on there, or, or yeah. just gonna... I mean, oh, that's the thing, though. Like, even my 3DS has updates sometimes. It does, and that's actually... It's kind of one thing... How do I put this? It has updates, but I feel like they're a little less uh, often. But you're absolutely right. Like, some of the newer handhelds do have updates, and I think maybe that's why I played more of my, like, Game Boy Advance back in the day, where you just, like, turn it on. You're literally almost at the start menu right now. Mm-hmm. Kind of deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
so you so Pokemon is, is your round robin game of choice then? Um, I feel like that was the intended format, and then we might have just talked about Pokemon <laughs> for like ten minutes. Well, yeah. So Adam I, I only Pokemon. I, well, I only said Pokemon because you know we said like what's the difference between handheld versus a big screen. I kind of led into that with Pokemon, just like. I just don't know if Pokemon would have been as big a success had it not been on oh, the game. Oh, I, I don't Boy. think it would have. I mm-hmm. don't think it would have. I yeah. think the ability. I think, like you said, the ability to like go up to my friend Joe and be like, "Yo, Joe, you got this sweet ass Haunter. I want it," and just have that trade go was uh, probably essential. Probably essential. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, th- Do you guys have any other games? I have many others. I, I think I'm going to start with a another Nintendo one. So I have Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask and Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time on the 3DS mm-hmm. uh, because those games were lost many years ago and I wanted to play them again for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I-, I can definitely say that like I'm very grateful that I'm able to play these games again, mm-hmm. but I can also tell that the, the conversion to the uh, to the 3DS is was a little bit rough. Mm. Um, it's pretty good. Like it's pretty solid when you're playing these games. Um but I can tell, like, sometimes there's just a lot of visual information that would work really well on a television screen that mm-hmm. does not work when it's shrunken down to the size of a, uh, a 3DS. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say, that. I feel like that's always been kind of a traditional handoff, like, between handhelds and, like, a bigger screen, is that, like, you kind of take a graphical fidelity hit whenever you play on a handheld kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is yeah. weird, because I wa- I'm wondering if, in, like, from a super technical standpoint, the 3DS versions are technically uh look better than like the n64 ones but there's something weird about playing them on like on like that smaller screen what like you said like like some visual information's lost it's more like it's 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 uh it's not that information is lost necessarily but that it's much more dense mm. um and, okay. and that density of information can cause confusion um mm-hmm. and can get it can cause it to be a little harder to track things and to uh notice things yeah i feel like that was one of the reasons uh nintendo even went with the the kind of the dual screen thing not just because the touch mm-hmm. thing but right. that like on the ds and stuff there's there was this really cool trend <clears> for a while where the top screen would be pretty much only your gameplay and everything right and the bottom screen would be all your information in your maps and that i feel like can have both a a positive and a negative effect where it's mm-hmm. like kind of like what you're saying of like some of that information that would have been like front and center on the on like the home console version has now been pushed kind of down so you don't you're not always cognizant of it versus like, well, technically now you have more screen real estate, but you've kind of shifted around stuff from maybe where it was optimally supposed to be. Right. So for, for the particular example of those two Zelda games, um, mm-hmm. your menus are the bottom screen, which yeah. I find to be, which is pretty useful. Um, but it, it's also, but I can kind of get what you're saying as well. It's, well, hmm. No, it's well, mostly just useful in those games because before you had to like <laughs> open up the no, you just because you had to open up the menu in order to be able to see it. And oh no, you dude, just look down and see it. Uh, there is a huge portion of like the Zelda community that considers the 3DS version of uh, Ocarina of Time to be like league superior, if only because you don't have for like the Water Temple or something like that. You don't have to mm-hmm. go into your menu over and over to actually equip the Iron Boots. You can just tap a button and bam, you have them. Oh uh, man. Oh, like, I haven't gotten to that point. Oh, I'm so dude, excited. All right. Fun fact. If you want to play that game, if you want to see like a legit, like this is just a straight upgrade, that's one aspect of the 3DS versions. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have to pause, go to equip screen, equip iron boots, leave pause screen, sink down, pause, unequip iron boots. 
like exit pause screen. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it'll be very nice to be able to switch those booties around. <laughs> booties. Booties. Come on, they're your iron booties. Booty. booty hey, Link. Booty. What? What do you got? Your iron onesie? Yes, my iron onesie. I mean, all his outfits are onesies. Mm, no, they're not. Could be. He's the wearing tunics? a tunic. Yeah, he's got like different hey, pants. For- for Kid Link, it's the tu- like the tunic is all he's wearing. Makes up yeah. maybe just like some underwear or something. Mm. <laughs> fair enough. Fair Drew, did you have know, any? Uh, man. You never see that. Uh... And nor do we want to. <laughs> I, I just hope they never rendered that on the mesh. I'm just hoping it's one of those like, nope, nope, this is just not for you to see situations. It was oh, the N64. God. I doubt they rendered anything. It's we don't have just a black. We don't have void. processing power to fucking waste this on weird like things like that. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a horseball scenario. We didn't Thank have the power back too. then. We didn't have the power back then. But if we could, Drew, did you have any big uh, handheld game you wanted to talk I did. about? I did. I, I have a few, and uh, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to make my case for cell phone games being totally <laughs> awesome oh and God. great. Um, and the first begin. One I- I will begin with is uh, a game called Monument Valley. For those who do not know, Monument Valley is a super crazy, very artistically based game. Um, its entire design is pretty much themed around an MC, MC Escher painting. And there's this really like interesting story about like a broken world and sort of like going through and trying to find out mm-hmm. how it got broken and how to fix it. And it is designed specifically with a cell phone in mind. So it's all about swiping. It's all very, it's all designed to look very appealing and aesthetically nice on a phone uh, at the resolution that it's at. So you can mm-hmm. play the game. You will guide this character <laughs> around. You will sw- actually swipe at the world until it kind of gets into the shape you want it to be in and then you will continue forward and i think it's just a really great example of what you can do with you know touchability and a little ingenuity it's um i don't know like if you guys haven't checked it out i highly recommend it Uh, i know it got like a lot of kind of pseudo advertising through house of cards there was this whole segment about a journalist writing an article about the game and whatever thoughts and feelings you have on the late end game of that show that particular section made me very happy just because it was Mm -hmm. highlighting a very very cool like little game that i i genuinely love um i i think i played like half of it uh I think I, I had some, because I got it for free through, like, Amazon Prime or something like that, nice. and I had some weird Amazon shenanigans, mm-hmm. uh, but I did play through, like, half of that one. Mm. I really like that one. I actually don't know if I would have played that anywhere except a handheld, because it's one of those ones that's, like, uh, I don't know if it would have worked as well on, like, say, like, a big screen or a TV. It's something, like... there's, some, there's something very nice about having it in, like, this nice, cozy little handheld or phone kind of deal it definitely Mm. takes its aesthetic like design from like you know like web and mobile like you know very bright colors very rounded off edges things that work nice with that kind of like lower resolution thing like like kind of to your point about like taking like a a game that's used to rendering a bunch of stuff and trying to squash it all down on a screen that doesn't have enough real estate it Mm -hmm. doesn't have that problem because it was designed from the ground up to be something in your hands and i think it works out really really well yeah, it looks like a cool game. Um, I actually wonder how necessary the swiping is um, and sort of the touchscreen capabilities. Hmm. I mean, like, you could, know, you, it's, could you it's, could you rebutton it 
essentially. You would need a mouse of some kind. Um, I mean, you absolutely mm-hmm. could redesign anything to contort to any system. I just think the system right. they have in place is very straightforward and it communicates an idea and the idea of just like using your hand to change the world is very satisfying. Like it's mm-hmm. a very nice feeling to have that interactivity <laughs> yeah. where it's not there's, a button. There's kind of a... Uh... There's a term for this that I'm trying to trying to remember what it is, but it, it's something about the about you like physically touching the world and moving it that mm-hmm. it kind of ingrains itself as part of the gameplay and its narrative. Yeah, right. Uh, there, there's a term for that, but I, I can't remember exactly what it is. I um, I, I just want to so, default and use use big words, but I can't think of any words that describe what you're saying. Um. Yeah, but like uh, to, to Zach, to your point, there are probably totally tons of ways you could have rebound this, but right, to right, have right. you actually touching it and moving it is part kind of part of uh, your engagement with it. There we go. Right, There's the word. Right. There, well, that's, there. that's why I was just going to, because mm-hmm. uh, based, based on how I was looking at it, because it is so um, heavily revolves around sort of touching capacity, it is a sort of game that Drew, was, Drew started off by saying it, it um it had to be on a handheld and I, w- I would go further than that and say like this is this is the kind of game that would have to be on a phone yeah um, you, you wouldn't be able to replicate this even on say a 3ds or a vita or, or any of the other consoles we're talking about yeah or, sorry or any of the other handhelds we're talking about it is only capable of doing so on on the specific device of a phone with that yeah, screen capacity yeah that's always really weird to me in that um like the 3DS, the Vita, and I think even the Switch all have. Uh, actually, uh, I'm gonna take the Switch out of this comment. Um, it was weird to me that a lot of them had like you mostly use the stylus. At least the Nintendo games always had like a stylus to touch it. But like a yeah. lot of, but like the Vita was very much yeah, just poke at it. And your phone's more like yeah, just poke at. It. And the Switch is yeah, just there. I don't think there's a stylus on the Switch. If there is, I haven't found it. Yeah, I haven't found it either. I I went looking for it. I actually <laughs> opened up. Because I, I opened up my Switch to add people, to add friend codes. And mm. I was like, where's the stylus? No stylus. You gotta touch it. Gotta Put just, your hands on it. Gotta touch it. Gotta, um, gotta yeah. slather those greasy fingers all over. Maybe that's one downside. Ew, no, ew, one, no. one downside. You gotta have clean hands. You can't you can't have any Cheeto dust when you're playing with a handheld. You gotta be yeah, careful. Yeah, no, no oh, Cheeto that's... dust. Thank you. So, let's no put all hands... No Cheeto dust on your mobile games. No Cheeto dust in my D&D games. Mm. Oh, damn. I'm going to have to put a lot of Cheeto dust when I'm typing. So, now that we can't have any Cheeto dust, let's throw all handhelds right in the garbage. I see. Before right we do that, though, Adam. Hello. I uh, want to know. Did you I have wanna... another game that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I thought, well, I thought we were going round robin style. So, if, oh. you got, if you got one. Yeah, it's your turn, Adam. <laughs> oh, my turn. So, uh, let's see. What is another really good game? I guess I, I, I'll go back to Advance Wars for a second. Uh, and just on the handheld. Ooh, please um, do. Because it was, it's one of those games that... Uh, Zach kind of brought this up of, could this game have been also done on the big screen? And yes, uh, Advance Wars totally could have. And any, like, strategy RPG could also totally just be on the uh, the big screen or on a console. But there is some, there's something really nice about kind of having these bite-sized missions you could do on your uh, on your Game Boy or whatever that really made that way more endearing. And I, we're kind of, I'm kind of repeating what I said, uh, kind of what Drew said before uh, about, like, RPGs. But it what it... it I'm kind of fumbling my words here. It was just really nice to play this on a game where, like, the kind of gameplay loop was really quick. Mm-hmm. And you can just kind of sit down, play a little bit, then go. Without having to sit down and, like, commit yourself fully to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Advance Wars really took advantage of that. Because it's very... 
it's very quick about everything. Like to get to get set up, it's like hit a button, pick your guy, go, go. Now you're in the map. Build these guys and just all everything with the control scheme and how it's built was very fluid and smooth. There was really no like kind of faffing about it all. Uh, uh. Um, yeah, it, it mm. again like I I'm sad about the fact that I missed out on it because I did think it looked super freaking cool. Uh, mm. It does. It does look pretty cool. Um, the other thing. So one thing I'd like to mention about Advance Wars, you were talking about uh, transferring it to the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that actually makes me kind of wonder because because we've talked about one game from I don't know. Do we have an example of a game that went from the mobile to like a con- like a major console or a uh, um, or on the PC where you can full screen it? Because mm-hmm. um, um, I, I I would wonder if 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 a game like that that got moved from the handheld to a larger screen would feel more sort of empty um I... and would feel more well yeah just visually like more Vis- empty because yeah there's there's like more space for the same amount of stuff uh-huh. um <coughs> or i'm trying if to it think feel more um so uh, I I have played a game that I feel like on dang. desktop versus on my in my hands and um, y'all y'all know Super Hexagon I assume y'all know it yes. mm-hmm. so that game is great yes. I think it is an amazing case study in purity of design and you can still play it on desktop but there's a desktop build but it just doesn't feel nearly as satisfying so I'm oh, not sure yeah. if that's quite Holy what you're crap. going for but... that would never make any sense on a like on a because it's just such a it's all about that tap. And... A, so for people who don't know, because uh, and Super Hex God's a super niche game. Um, sorry, so, I like niche who, games. <laughs> no, no, it's so uh, Super Hexagon was this. It's kind of like a weird rhythm kind of puzzly game. I don't really know what you describe it, but you're essentially this little dot that's trying to navigate these rings that are kind of sl- that are uh, enclosing around you, and you need to find the opening. And it worked really well on the phone because you could just tap it, and because it was on the phone, it was all very uh, all of the graphical design was all very like, kind of in your face to kind of zach's point i don't know if that would work on the desktop because now everything's blown up and it feels very yeah. empty it's not bad I it just if... isn't nearly as mm. good right like it doesn't have yeah. engagement like something about holding something in front yeah. of my face makes it so much more intense to me than like the way it feels on the big screen like it just doesn't feel like it was designed for that and it's a totally yeah. well i was even build. oh yeah well i was just gonna say like uh one of the things with like a big screen is like sometimes because it's bigger, your eye kind of naturally has to move around to see, like, the different corners of the screen. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, a, a handheld or something, it's so small that everything's kind of just right there. And you don't have to even spend that subconscious energy of trying to move your eyes. You can just see everything right there, right then and there. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, although I would say that Super Hexagon is probably best played on a tablet. Just that's probably fair. A little bit. Because it on needs phone, a... it's almost a little too small. You're like, Meh. yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Um, I think I kind of want to have my really? hands closer together when I'm playing that thing. But you know, oh, really? apples and oranges. Okay. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, just, I think at that when point, I it's just about what ergonomics work best for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 At that point, it's probably that's where it is. But it's just um, it's interesting to to see how different kinds of devices, even between a phone and a tablet, for instance, mm-hmm. um, but how different stages of device essentially um, will make differences in how the game is played and how people perceive it and what is sort of best <laughs> set up for it um, yeah it, it's sort of a unique aspect of of handheld games because like you, you like console games and mainline pc games like they have a sort of default size and you could probably increase the size by a massive amount or a very small amount or sorry you you, you could you could wildly change the amount of 
of space you have. But as long as you, like, meet the minimum threshold, which I guess would just be a PC screen, like, it looks fine. And if it's on a giant screen, it probably also looks fine. Um, but the handheld games, it's, it's sort of an interesting that the size difference can actually make a big difference in how it's perceived. It's sort of like the difference between, like, a PC screen and a phone screen. Like, there's something there in the transition between those two sizes that that can really change away something is perceived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, uh, kind of to your point, there, there was an example I could think of. Um, so the Game Boy Advance have the have these three really big Castlevania games on them. There's uh, mm-hmm. Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, and Aria of Sorrow, which are kind of the three big, like, Egavania, Metroidvania, Castlevania games. Uh, and one of the things was I was actually able to play a bit of it on my um, GameCube because it has this little adapter that you put on the bottom and you pop your Game Boy Advance cartridges in and now you can play it on your GameCube. And you can play essentially play it on your big screen. So it was, uh, was kind of like a proto-Switch kind of deal uh, where you could like have the switching uh, back and forth. But one of the things was, especially in Circle of the Moon, it was very interesting to be playing it on your handheld and the room that you're in in the game feels very kind of cluttered and lived in and then you put on the big screen and everything's stretched out and now it doesn't feel that way everything feels way more empty also the worst thing is what looked really good in like sprites on the game boy advance sometimes doesn't look that good on the when it's blown up yeah yeah i i think that's true of like all sprites but it really hurt this game because you're like what the fuck am i looking at anymore yeah that is is interesting although not to get too focused on um on like, sort of like size differences and sort of visually visual size differences i wonder because Drew was talking earlier about the sort of tactile sensations mm-hmm. um i i do have to kind of wonder like what are the material differences between like just the tactile sensation of like playing on a console i guess with a bit more distance from it you're sort of like you're like a bit off from it it's almost set up for third person uh third person action games whereas mm-hmm. um the sort of handheld games it's much closer you have a much more like you're holding it in your hands like almost Mm. any handheld game you play you are cradling the game in your hands Hmm. you have to take care of it don't let don't drop it and i think it it leads to more sort of intimate experiences with it Hmm. like i think uh, i think that's fair yeah yeah Yeah, that makes sense um so for example (gasps) um I I mean I'm just gonna use one of the random games that I played. I don't know why you're all surprised. Why you're surprised by it, Drew? I, I just but, uh, I just gasped. I, just gasped. I, I was just I was just ready. I just I was ready to hear. Oh okay. Um. So I played like Final Fantasy Nine on the PS3 through mm-hmm. like 75 percent of the game, mm-hmm. and I remember sort of like fizzling on it a bit and feeling very like I liked it and I was enjoying the story I was moving forward but I felt slightly like distant from it mm-hmm. um, whereas I played um uh Bravely Default on mm-hmm. the 3DS and I felt like very very invested in the different characters that there were and um and and sort of like that I I emp- I feel like I empathized more with the characters just purely because I was hmm. I, I wouldn't say purely because, but like it, it felt like I was closer with those characters because I was physically closer to those characters. I think there's something to be said for that for being mm. physically closer yeah. to the game. That's something I hadn't really considered, but yeah, like when you are playing handheld, you are whatever character or whatever thing is going on on the screen, you are technically way closer to that than you ever would be on like a console or uh, maybe not a PC because you're usually kind of closer to those. But I, I know a lot of people sit kind of far away, so you feels very distance where. Now that you have it and it's like really close to you, you feel this uh, more intimate 
uh, like gameplay the, experience. Even with a PC, you're probably closer to a handheld than you are to like a PC screen. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't just as a I'm gonna do a physical example right now because I have a 3DS on my thing. Like I hold the 3DS, it is about a foot away from my face. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I look at my PC screen, it is <coughs> like five times the distance from it. Uh, incoming so. with Zach. Why are you playing these games so close to your face? You're gonna hurt your eyes. Mm-hmm. I no, but I'm like I'm just holding the 3ds at a comfortable position, like from where I am, and it's like mm-hmm. a foot, a foot and a half away from me. Yeah, and there's there is no other gaming experience that can get closer than that, other than VR. Damn it! Why did I have to be wrong like immediately after I say something? <laughs> I mean that's totally fair. Like the but handhelds, I feel like are way more widespread than vr vr you need a very particular thing and i actually would have to say sometimes vr can be uh too intimate at an experience whereas a handheld uh yeah because uh excuse me a vr one is like right on your head you are completely in it and sometimes you may not actually want to be that close with a game world where a a handheld is very and by the way i just realized we're talking really weird metaphysics like almost meta gaming kind of thing here <laughs> yeah it's we're like, getting a bit well i'm getting into the the sort of meta differences between handheld gaming and other kinds of gaming yeah hmm. uh, i'm uh, sorry i've like directed this entire conversation into it's zach's time for the philosophical discussions but yeah it, it's kind of like it's totally a fair thing to say for like a handheld though zach like um but yeah it's just like a handheld you can change that distance at will like you can kind of you know if something's happening maybe you're like you can put it closer or put it further away from you or something like that. I think uh, in the case of uh, VR, if we're if we're tackling that that uh, that whole thing, uh, a VR definitely does not have the immediacy that I think a handheld typically has built into it, right? Like, oh god, no! VR takes forever to set up. <laughs> oh I mean, I think that's VR's honestly for me. That's VR's biggest hurdle is just like, good god, it like I can't jump into a game. I gotta like get the headset, mm-hmm. get everything all set to go. It's like yeah, it's, it's not the simple flip flip and start situation. I think that yeah. is it's the, the same reason. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. uh, we all stop, but. I, I was just going to interject for a second and say, like, yeah, it's, it's exactly the same reason why I haven't played Deadly Premonition yet. Because um, it, cause it's that time investment to, like, get set up to it, do it. You but have a handheld... to install a mod to keep it from crashing. <laughs> yeah, you know what, like, shockingly had really good working games? Handhelds. You know why? Because oh, yeah. they came out on cartridges, and there ain't no time to update that shit later. Mm-hmm. If oh, that yeah. thing goes out with a bug, that's it. Say la vie. That game has a bug. Yep. Um... <laughs> Just because we're talking, uh, I wanted to bring this up uh, because this is kind of a big difference between handhelds and consoles. Uh, and I actually think this is a negative on handhelds, uh, at least for me it was for a while. I have really big hands. Mm-hmm. Sometimes playing handhelds can hey. actually be physically like uncomfortable to play. Hey, uh, hey, hey Zach. Hey, Zach, you what? You know what they say about big hands? Uh, big gloves. Uh, you know what they say about big gloves? Big wallets to hold all the money that you're going to need to buy those gloves. Uh, But that's actually... I was thinking... I played a lot of Monster Hunter on, like, my Vita. And I tried playing it on the Game Boy. And because the the things are so small, which is sometimes a good thing... They're so small that, like, my hands have to do weird contortions to play on these things. Hmm. Um, That's a good point. That's a good point. Like, you don't have that nice, like, ergonomic controller that you're used to, like, with, uh, with yeah. any kind of console. Or even, like, uh, like a keyboard and mouse, at least that's kind of designed for all kinds of situations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was because... I kind of bring this up, one, because we were talking about, like, you know, actual physical placement of, like, the game to you. 
mm-hmm. for handhelds. One of the problems of handhelds is because you have to go both combine the screen and the controls and everything else in it. Mm-hmm. Everything can feel very cluttered and it becomes kind of bulky to physically hold, oh, which yeah. is which is one benefit a console has where it's like here is just the controls the game is over there and you can kind of do whatever like get your hands in a more ergonomic proper position Mm -hmm. uh i always just had some difficulties playing certain games on on a handheld for that reason you know it's funny because like you describe it and i'm thinking of the difference between like a um forgive me um a a Greek platter and a euro where you will have the handheld <laughs> version where everything is scrunched together and it tastes great when it's in sync and done by someone who knows what they're doing. Like a euro is delicious, but everything's like stuck together. You're not going to get a big, beautiful view of anything versus a, a like a plate mm. where everything is spread out and it looks real great and really nice. And it's kind of a different eating experience. And I know this is a weird metaphor, but I feel like it actually kind of holds up. And maybe I somehow kinda... like it actually it made it. I don't know how you did it, but it made it. Yeah, I was about to say that's actually a really succinct way of saying the like the difference between a console and uh and a handheld is like maybe all we needed to do was go and get Euro food. <laughs> like I guess so. Well, Who guess wants so. to get a Euro wrap or a Euro plate? Well, I, I think Eat both and if I can roll with the metaphor, it, it kind of works <laughs> if I can. So then you take like things that are kind of supposed to be sandwiched together, like hot mm-hmm. dogs and, you know, cheeseburgers, things that have been sort of like designed to be held in hand. And as a result, they're very good in that format versus, mm-hmm. oh, I got all this crap on the table. I'm going to slap it between two buns. It, it usually doesn't taste that great. I don't know. I the wrap is already good to go. You just It's in your hand. You can take a bite and go. Versus the plate. You got to do some work to get it working. Uh, so we have two others. I think we were... Uh, what games work best on a handheld device? I feel like we kind of said that a little bit. But do we want to quickly wrap that question? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I feel like... Yeah. We're, we did. We talked a yeah. lot about this. Yeah, I mean... For my take, uh, what games work best on handheld? Games with really quick feedback loops. You can kind of sit down and do a little bit. Uh, RPGs, you can kind of just quickly chip away at stuff. Um, Mm. And any that have kind of simplified control schemes work really well on the handheld. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anything uh, else to add? I think anything with a a short play loop, I forget what the exact term is called, Mm -hmm. um, is really good for handhelds, like you said. And then I think anything that... I guess anything that feels small would be really good for handhelds. I, I can't quantify that very well. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what do you mean by feel small? What, what does that mean? Because sort of something. So it, I guess it would be um, a game with not a lot of visual information. Mm. Hmm. I uh, thought you literally meant like like the game world. Like, <clears throat> yeah. Like I was uh, thinking. Because I, play, met, I, mm-hmm. I played a full world RPG like... Uh, yeah, and, and you can have the big world stuff, but just anything, any any kind of game that relies on a lot of visual information, say like a, like a big name strategy game, like a civilization game. Like, could you imagine playing Civ on a handheld? It'd be monstrous. Why, yes I can. New Civ 6 on the Switch. Uh, Which, you know, maybe it's time to get to right. that discussion. The... Yeah. The, oh, do I do Switch handheld. So... We've kind of avoided talking extensively of this because the Switch is a handheld, but it's also a console. But, like, do people actually... It's both. It's both. Yeah. 
Um, I think we had this question specifically of, do you consider it a handheld because do you even use it not in the dock? Um, I I have used it not in the dock. I remember playing Overwatch and having Breath of the Wild just sort of open on the table. Is this why you weren't focusing that match? That... Korok seeds? This was months ago, but... I remember that month. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. So yeah, like, I, I, I did use it in that capacity... I almost mm-hmm. never do though. Like when I when I play the Switch, which isn't very often now. But uh, but when I play the Switch, I I tend to play it on the, the big screen. Yeah, that that feels like that feels like for a lot of the games that I play, the natural environment for it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the handheld version seems to be the sort of like secondary mode that lets you use the Switch in totally different ways, which is really cool. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like the Switch it- is great. I just. It really can't be understated how, like, cool a device the Switch is. Uh, and I know, Drew, you don't have one, uh, but please feel free to chime in if you have a thought on that. But, like, I really hope you get one soon because I think you'll like it. Um, I, when, once they it's drop, just like, so a many... real trailer for Metroid 4, I'm in. I'm in. They uh, they sh- it to me. Uh, apparently, they're supposed to have one at the Game Awards. Good. I guarantee you it's a teaser for a teaser of a trailer. I'm up. A- I'm gonna get so mad. Drew, I'm gonna call it right now. At the Game Awards, Nintendo's gonna walk out, have a four, and then a date. That date will be for the Nintendo Direct where they talk about Metroid Prime 4. No, here's oh what I think God. will happen. They'll have like a really cool CG version of Samus's helmet, and then it'll fade to black. And I'll be so pissed. I'll be so so pissed. And <laughs> and it'll be just enough um, to justify it. But I'll have to agree with Zach on this. Uh even though the I don't know if it's fair to say that the handheld version of the Switch is its secondary because they really are making it that, like, the whole point of the Switch is that you can dock it and remove it at will. And I think mm-hmm. that is single-handedly its biggest thing of that, oh, like, yeah. I'm playing a game on a big screen. I gotta go somewhere. Pop it out. Oh, the game is just playing right then and there. Or um, I'm playing a game on the big... I'm playing I'm playing a game in my living room on the big screen. Someone else walks in the room and wants to watch TV. Okay, I pull it out of the dock and I play it on the couch. Yeah, and it that's so cool. It's like yeah. it's really cool. Um, but for all of that, I actually really haven't played much time uh in handheld mode because I really do like uh it's kind of what you were saying, Zach, about like some visual information. The games are very high fidelity on the the Switch, or like they're they're trying to they're way more than any previous like Nintendo one was. And sometimes it is hard to see like smaller details on uh the handheld. Like yeah. I was playing um. Uh, Breath of the Wild there, and sometimes it was hard to kind of see some of the little critters and stuff or some things on the handheld when it was in the handheld version yeah. because you didn't have it like blown up like huge on the map because there's so many little oh, yeah. markers um, and stuff. And and I, I noticed that as well is that like playing Breath of the Wild on the handheld, the game gets harder to play essentially because it's harder to, to notice things. It's harder to um, just keep track of everything on, on screen. I guess. Yeah. So, I actually feel like there's a weird, like, there are some, even though you can play both games, all Switch games in both modes, there are some games just like, no, you really should play this on the console, versus, no, this is also good in handheld. Like, uh, I have a game called Severed that I uh, I just downloaded on my Switch uh, about maybe a month or two ago, and that is exclusively handheld mode because you need the touchscreen. You can't play it docked, but to compensate, there's a lot of... A lot of the graphical information or I- big icons and symbols. That's like, mm-hmm. oh, I-, I know what that is. I don't have to look for the small, minute, minute details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That's the really cool aspect of it. Um, so yeah, I still consider the Switch a handheld, but 
I don't play it as a handheld. I, yeah, same. I feel like it is Daywalker. It does both. As someone who it doesn't is. own one, I can't. I can only say so much. I personally feel like the handheld capabilities are kind of a big seller for it. Like, oh yeah, I. Half the reason I'm interested is because I've had Matt just show up and be like, hey, look at this cool thing on my Switch. And there's like no kerfuffling and it's kind of amazing. Oh, like, that's so nice. Yeah. 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 Big appeal. Yeah, big appeal. Yeah. Excellent yeah. advertising built right into the system. Pretty great stuff. Yeah. Right. that's Now this is going to make Design Club really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we... I think we... Do we want to move on to the Design Club? I think so. Because... Before we do, I I just wanna I wanna give give some love to a few more games, a few more games, because I'm still on my mobile games on phones are still good. You guys kick. I still have that. I still want to do it. Okay. All all of your handheld games have been mobile <laughs> games. Yeah. Well, I mean, no. It's it's more. I was thinking of like, do is... mobile games count? And then I got a big old list of really great mobile games. I'm like, oh yeah, no, no, these are good. Um. So I'll just uh, rapid fire. Downwell is. Pretty sure it's mobile exclusive, clearly designed for mobile. It's a, you're a little guy, you go down a well. Uh, Pretty straightforward. Uh, It's one of the tightest design games I've ever played, and I recommend everyone on the planet check it out. It's really great. Um, Mm -hmm. Swords and Sorcery, um, freaking amazing little game. Um, clearly designed for phones, oh. uh, very much like you change the orientation never... of your phone to progress through it. It does a lot of Wait. really cool stuff with Twitter and whatnot. Um, it's pretty cool. Oh, what the fuck? What? What, I, Zach? I have that game on Steam. This explains things. Yeah. You, you yeah, can I mean, it's, it's it on, on Steam. Steam and on PC, but it's very much like a port of a mobile game versus the other way around. And it's super cool. And I really like it. Um, hmm. and I... This is basically a pour out, but I'm currently playing through this really cool, um, like horror game called DurEvil.exe that I started looking into mm-hmm. when we did the horror games one, and um, it does some clever stuff, and that's all I can really say without spoiling it. And nice. Those, those are my games. Those are my games. That's what I got. We might have to go check those out at some point. If we do like a a super like mobile only episode, we'll have to go explore those and check those out. Sure yeah, facts. Yeah. All right, then. You ready for? <laughs> Design club, though. Design club. Design club. Design. So, what is our design club? Well, Adam, today's design club is dream up a device that is the ideal handheld and is not a switch. That is our design club. So, so I'm gonna start well, first, just, if only because I have uh, what, Zach? But what if we make a switch knockoff? Then the then swash. That's, that's you, oh, swash. you mean you mean what fucking Sony might do? With the PlayStation Swap or something like that. Wait, what? Oh, no. What you talking no, about? No, that's... they're going to copy the Switch. <laughs> so, there was a rumor going around that Sony might do a Switch-like console. And I saw the word, the PlayStation Swap. If only because, like, when the move came out, it was like, that's just a Wii, uh, Wii remote. That's just, just that what that is. Uh, by the way, this is just shit-flinging because I think it's funny as hell mm-hmm. of a PlayStation Swap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it. I really... That, that can't be a final name. There's no, That wouldn't even I, make sense. That wouldn't even make it sense. It wouldn't. I don't, even think, I don't even think that's real, because I would assume like Sony would go for a next-gen PlayStation 5. Yeah. If they ever did a console, like a, a handheld console, call it the Vita 2. That'd work out great. Everybody wants a Vita. Mm. <laughs> Moving on to designing the best possible handheld we possibly can. Taking, now, taking I'm gonna stock go... of what we like about handhelds and what we dislike about them. Let us craft the best of hearts. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Uh, I think the hand, uh, the the Switch 
is a mighty fine handheld. So when I read this question of design something that isn't the Switch, I'm like, that's going to be really hard because it's pretty much... Yeah. yeah. Like, all I could think of is give me a Switch with a better CPU and, like, frame rate and, like, hardware and I'll be good. Like, I, its utility is just too good mm. to, like, so not incorporate. My thought would be a device that bridges in the other direction because mm. i still i'm still drawing lines between phones and and other handheld games oh you of the old ways mm, the I, old blood indeed the old i think i think something between a sort of mobile device sort of like it is a phone but it's also specifically designed for playing games mm-hmm. watch us slowly like make the end gauge all over again Oh my god, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Give me the end gauge. Oh my god. It was N-gage ahead of its is... time. Okay, for anybody who doesn't know, and I hope that's nobody, the end gauge was a really fucking weird, like, it was a phone, oh, yeah. but it was designed to play games, and it's just the goofiest fucking looking thing in the world. It is extremely goofy looking. And it is all my I'm favorite saying... handheld. Sit down, Game Boy Advance. All I'm saying is basically a mobile phone with some buttons on the side that lets you play the button games. But also, it's a phone. Okay, but the problem with that is that is actually literally the end gauge. But shush. <laughs> oh, okay. No, Zach. Zach has bought many stock in the end gauge end gauge line. He needs that stock to come back. Well, I, I do think he has a really good point about physical buttons that are more for gaming than anything else. Because, like, mm-hmm, one yeah. of the shittiest things that I have found on mobile games um, is when they try to do, like, an emulation of a game, like, by emulating oh, buttons, and you gotta, like, oh, tap yeah, yeah, yeah. what would be a button. And I... That has never worked out well for me. I've never seen that, like, work out in a way that feels consistently great. So if we could do anything to avoid that being a thing people do, I think that would help us sell many, many units. So yeah. physical buttons, well, I think that, I'm a fan. Yeah, and the physical buttons are just nice because of that tactile feel of, like, I you hit the button instead of just tapping. Because tapping has very little uh, physical feedback to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just trying to think, because the Switch kind of gets around that with having the two Joy-Cons slide in, but maybe having more dedicated buttons uh, for, like, you know... That weren't like pull away or something like that. Like a, a handheld that literally had these ingrained might feel better. I don't know. You know what I would like um, is if instead of the little Joy-Cons, you had uh, controllers that were more similar to like a PS4 controller or something that's like... Why, Drew, that's the the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. Okay, well, damn it. This is... I don't want to make a Switch. Yep. I don't want to make a Switch. Well, but that is I, I think actually... Hmm, I think like... A phone that came with like a built-in controller on it. Hmm. Sort not, not like obviously, obviously it wouldn't be a controller. It'd be like an accessory that comes with the phone, mm-hmm. so you can sort of slot your game into the the controller. I and guess do that, but like people have made yeah. those devices before already. Yeah. Um, so I guess that would be the the sort of like alternate mode. Yeah. The one thing I'd say with that is occasion, unless you have every game company sign on to use this peripheral, there comes that mm-hmm. problem of like, this is a peripheral that some games may not support. Mm-hmm. So you've really only solved a, a problem for certain games that choose to use that peripheral. Yeah, that's um, true. If it were built into the device itself, I think that would um, uh, that would kind of solve it because it's like, it's part yeah. of the device. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That also makes actually, sense. Actually, totally <coughs> you know what? One thing I thought we would bring up that I only just realized... We didn't talk about the Ouya at all. The thing that was oh like... Oh my I'm god, gonna... the Ouya! <laughs> so, I'm going to bring this up in this context, because we're designing a handheld, of maybe a thing not to do. Okay. The Ouya is essentially... The fuck rip out the Ouya? Rip out the guts of a phone, 
rip out the games of a phone and stuff it into what is ostensibly a home console and sell that to somebody. Yeah. I think you'll find that's actually a harder sell than you might think. Because now it's like, take this game that you would have played on your phone anywhere and now tie it down to this one thing. Yeah. I, I um, would, yeah, that's I taking away all the... the good and leaving all the bad. Thank you, Ouya. I defend the idea of it only because I know there were a lot of really interesting, like, Android or iOS games. And at the time, like, I couldn't mm-hmm. get a hold of them. Um, as someone who has worked on, like, Ouya-based stuff... Like, it, mm-hmm. it just, like, was not designed particular. Like, it, it was not it was now, not designed by people who make hardware. It was designed by business folk who thought it was a great idea, who could not get the hardware to support what they wanted to do. Um, now, yeah. let me tell you this. I have one in my closet right now because I got it for free from a friend. How did you get an Ouya? Uh, because my friend kickstarted these things back in the day, played it for all of, like, three days, and then got... And, like, when he moved out, he's like, here, do you want this? And, like, oh... This relic from the past. <laughs> and by past, I mean less than 10 years ago. Oh, oh my dude. god. At um, some point, hey man, in, in the video game museum, there will be a space for the Ouya. Yeah, but mm. I, I kind of just wanted to bring that up because uh, one of the problems of designing, of saying like, oh hey, let's take this handheld and put it on the console, which I think the Switch like fucking masterfully avoided, was like, those kind of don't always work. And the Switch being like this nice, or any handheld going forward uh kind of needs to have that like i'm sorry because i i'm kind of falling into the hole that drew was trying to avoid us from for this design club the fact that i can just pick up the game and like take it with me and make it a handheld and a console is kind of too good a thing so i'm gonna ask this really weird kind of roundabout question to you both if a handheld were to come out that didn't have that feature do you think you'd still play on it um if it didn't have the feature of being able to dock and play in a bigger screen yeah, something like that, where it's like, you have it in your handheld, and being able to dock it, and then just, like, being seamlessly able to pick it up and go. Because remember, the tablet part of the Switch is actually the console. The dock does nothing for it. Mm. It would um, depend on what the uh, the benefit would be of... I, I don't know, mm. I, I think I could. I could totally I could totally get a, a, a uh, mobile, like a, mm-hmm. a handheld device game. I think it's... Uh, right. Like another, another handheld console. I think in this landscape, it would be a big question of, hey, well, the Switch does this and you don't. What are you offering in exchange? Like, it would yeah. be a wow factor of its own. I don't know what that could be, but I think if you just said, hey, this is like, uh, like maybe like a Switch, but it doesn't plug in, but maybe it's got like higher fidelity in your hands, that would be the mm-hmm. accepted trade off. Like, you don't even need to play it on that level because of X, Y, and Z. But I don't think it would sell well. I think then you would get a Vita situation where it's like more powerful than anyone really thinks. And as a result, it's a great device that no one's picking up or buying. Like, Can I say, yeah. the Vita was yeah. entirely, entirely let down by Sony. Mm-hmm. Like that thing actually is more powerful than I think people realized. But no games came out over here. And whatever, I'm going to kind of dial this back a bit. Whatever games did come out on the Vita... We're kind of like games you'd be like, this is just like a really weird knockoff port of a game I could play on my big console. And it would kind of look better there because it's more showy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, it had like, Gravity Rush, didn't it? Like, uh, or the original. It did. Yeah, that looked It had really Gravity sweet. Rush, which is, which is like a fantastic game. Uh, and I think one of the big sellers of the Vita. But <clears throat> uh, it kind of like, Sony kind of didn't really support the Vita over here in America. And eventually, that's how we got the PS4 ports of Gravity Rush 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Ah. 
which are both really fun games. Uh, even though Gravity Rush 2 is now has lost its server support, still a really fun single-player game. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't know it had multiplayer, um, actually. I thought it was completely single I actually, I actually, now, now that you brought that up, Drew, I wonder if getting too close to a console actually really will hurt uh, a handheld where it's I, like i think that's the vita's you, entire thing like i i would love yeah. to hate on to hate on big corporations as much as anyone but i do think part of it is by being a handheld you just assume it's not as powerful and if your selling mm-hmm. point is oh no we're super powerful and super high fidelity like honestly you're not even going to notice a lot of that unless you're like designing for it like yeah it, it comes down to just it, the it's almost like so screen. close to it yeah it's almost like so close to something you might already have yeah, that, that'd be a problem if a new handheld came out. It's like, oh, I'm this strong. It's like, but I have a device that already does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah. All right, yeah. Big, big thing right here for a handheld. Uh, and I kind of expect this for most game consoles, but for some reason, I really have this as a sticking point for handhelds. Those things got to be backwards compatible, for fuck's mm-hmm. sake. Oh, yeah. I don't know. This is a personal bias, maybe, and maybe it's because the Game Boy Advance set the precedent, but, like, you know what's really annoys me? When, like, a handheld comes out, it's like, oh, yeah, this can only play this library of games. It's like... But why though? I mean, I'm all why? for unlocking unlocking games from consoles. Like, I understand why it happens sometimes, but I feel like there mm-hmm. needs to be a better effort to like emulate something elsewhere. Like, I'm still yeah. mad that I can't play Metal Gear Solid Four, and like probably never will. Like that that upsets me that it's locked on PS3. Yeah. Like to yeah to throw more salt into that particular wound. And so, I mean, like it's it's the reason why it'd be really hard for me to play. Um, or actually, if they might be putting pointing for the Switch, but it, it, why it's really hard for me to play um, uh, that Legend of Zelda game that I really want to play. And I keep oh, Wind about. Waker, yeah, Wind Waker. Thank you. Um, like By the just way. because like it's like I can't play it on any of the consoles I got, and I have a bunch of modern consoles. By the way, speaking of Switch ports, so Ag Aonuma, the uh, I believe the executive producer of the Zelda series so far, mm-hmm. was at the new Zelda concert in Japan. And one of the people came up and was like, oh, man, you know how cool a Switch port for, of Skyward Sword would be? And everybody's like, oh, it's happening! It's happening! And he comes out the next day of like, Nintendo has no plans for this. Ah. It's like, Eiji, you don't, need, you don't need to, like, crack their knees, like, that quickly. Like, yeah, let it was... stew for a minute. See how many Ooh. people actually want this, then maybe do it. Wait, Skyward Sword? Um, can I ask? Yeah. I, I thought, I didn't know uh, that we had uh, quite Skyward, as big a Skyward Sword's? I don't know. I mean, it was the yeah. one that somebody asked about at the uh, at the concert. Maybe that's their favorite, and that's what's got the spotlight. Yeah. Cool, cool. Like no hate, no hate. I'm just I haven't heard that title in a while. Like I'm a wind waker. Let man. me ask this question: um, In our design club, what have we actually decided for this new handheld? That it one has to be at least backwards compatible. I'm saying I want it to have the docking feature. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything else? Because I, I feel like all we've said is, "Boy, the switch is great." Um, touch I feel like that's Give the it end some of touch screen. Give I... it some gestures. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Touch screen screen gestures. Got it. Um, doesn't need a camera because one of the things that the DS and the 3DS have are cameras on them. And those do have some interesting gameplay things that they've used. Like I know there's a couple games where you turn the cameras on and it'll head track for you. And, uh, you can take pictures of stuff and it'll do stuff with those pictures. Hmm. I feel like that'd be good enough, but I also don't know if that's too gimmicky. I, I, I'm sure it it could be useful. Why not? I would I would opt for I, I don't know how to phrase this but basically I want I, if I have a handheld I want to be able to treat it the way I would like uh, like a Pokemon Go or an Ingress where like I have that ability to interact with other people and I feel like that might be one thing we're not quite emphasizing is like 
how do I get user of our amazing console and another user of our amazing console to interact? And maybe we could add some extra features. Or Drew, Zach, right I've got it. What do you got? Okay. All connectivity has to be done through separately sold link cables. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Let me tell you this. No. Uh, looking back on my discussion of, oh, man, Pokemon being a social game, that really worked. You know what? In hindsight, it was because you had to literally tether each other to each other to actually yeah. get that to happen. Mm. So very social when you're literally handcuffed to the person next to you. So, so <laughs> lots of physical appendages of some kind is what you're saying. That's right. That's what I... Uh, no, but like having having it be online and connectable... Um, honestly, for a handheld to work... Uh, I feel like it needs, like, integration with pre-existing stuff. Like, yeah. it always feels weird when I... And this is kind of true for all consoles, but for some reason this feels weirder for handhelds. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran into this problem with my 3DS, where it's like, I had it, I got it, and now I have to make a whole new account for everything. I have to reintegrate it with all of my other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more a software problem, but yeah. making sure a handheld is actually treated like a real thing that the company is going to support, if that makes yep. sense. Mm-hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. I think Nintendo does it so well because they really consider it as, like, another arm of their company and their games. Uh, I don't know if that's true for a lot of other companies where it's like, we have a handheld. It's like, this is, like, a weird growth that you guys have. Mm. Cut that off. Yeah, you know, I think that could be the biggest thing we could give our handheld is respect that it's, like, a full console and deserves full attention and not, like, some weird side project. If we could do that, I feel like we'd be doing right by this hypothetical machine. Mm. What would we call our hypothetical handheld? Mm. that'll depend if i buy it um let's see here uh i want to work in what's in your pocket into the name um i think that would actually be the hmm hmm. quarter roll it's a quarter roll that's what we call it it's a a quarter roll yeah what's that in your pocket pocket? i call it oh it's oh god quarter roll Oh god, I just realized that. Oh, sorry. Did you just? I'm sorry. It took me a second. It's it like quarter roll. Like, oh okay. It's like, what's that in your pocket? It's a. Qu- oh no, the commercials write themselves. <laughs> they do. They do. They do. Um, hey, hey, man, what's that in your pocket? Oh, it's my quarter roll. Just playing the latest Nintendo game on it that I pirated. What was that? Nothing. <laughs> hmm. Uh, any other names? Anything that's maybe a little bit more uh, more snappy? Mm. Snappier name? The Pocket Genie. Ooh, the pocket genie. I like the pocket genie. That's also weirdly sexual. I, I, I'm gonna veto that actually. And we could call it the lamp. You just, you know, that's how you turn it on. You rub the lamp. Oh! You turn, you rub it, and the system turns on. You rub it. You just polish <laughs> oh, it. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know what? We were, we were so good about avoiding these kind of jokes oh and innuendos for the entire episode, and I feel like we've just fallen into them. Oh dear. Let's uh, do some toasts and pour outs. Toasts and pour outs. It's good. Um. <laughs> All right. Uh, Anyone got any off the bat? Any toasts and or pour? I'm gonna I'm gonna give a toast to Fire Emblem Fates. It's the first game that I beat on the 3DS. And while most people don't like it very much because it's not a very good Fire Emblem game, I enjoyed it. Oh, a toast, a toast to that. Let's see. Do I have any toasts or pour outs? Um, you know what? Uh, I'll give a toast to Symphony of the Night because I started playing that and uh, it's pretty sweet. Yeah! Yeah, I got nice. it with the uh, the combo between that and uh, Rondo of Blood. Um, uh-huh. Not quite hyped on Rondo of Blood. A little too old for me. But Castlevania, mmm. That Metroidvania Origins, mmm. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Very, very tasty. That's a good toast. Oh, um, do I have a toast? I don't really have any toast or pour outs right now. Hmm. Kind of just eh. 
How about a, how about a toast to you? How about a toast <laughs> to you, Adam? For, for trying to, to keep Adam. us on track this whole time. Yeah. Oh boy. A toast to that fucking platter and wrap. No, but really, uh, I guess a toast to Pokemon Sun. I am playing that right now for the first time. Uh, on my handheld, on my on my Nintendo 3DS, and that is a treat of a game. Hooray! Nice. Um, <coughs> I'd also like to do a pour out. Oh. For a very special dragon friend I recently met named mm. Dark Eater Madeer. Dude, stop being so hard. I just want to finish this game. Just you playing that, playing that Dark Souls three. I'm just trying to finish it. Oh, you'll never finish it. Uh, it's I'm too hard. It. Adam, I see. Zach, perhaps if you, no, Adam, you're you're, you're the mm-hmm. transition guy. You do it. <laughs> I was gonna say, Zach, perhaps what will help you in this fight for your life, a lesson of the day that you can reflect on while you're fighting him. Okay, yeah, maybe. Hey there, everybody. It's time now for the lesson of the day. When you're holding a handheld device, you want to hold it with your arms down, elbows up a little bit, and then looking down. Because that's the most relaxed position. But remember, when you're done, to get up and stretch a little bit, especially around the back of the neck. That way, you just let those muscles get back into position. And that's the lesson of the day. Wow, that was actually a good lesson. I've had that problem problem yeah. a couple times yeah yeah, yeah you got to stretch after yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. fantastic yeah. well listeners <laughs> thank you so much for listening in on our rousing discussion this week uh if you liked what you heard you can always leave us comments feedback or anything else on twitter on facebook or at team nitwick at gmail.com that's team n-i-t-w-i-c at gmail.com this week, we want to give some credit to Pro Leader for providing music because he's so great and we love him and we love his music. Next week's episode, going to be a total surprise. You're just going to have to keep listening to find out what it's going to be. That's what we got. Hope you have a great one. We're going to head on up to the attic for a little after hours talk. And if you want to stick around, just follow us off. And for those of you that don't, later, have a good day. Go- goodbye. goodbye. And end upstairs. Chicka chicka chicka. There's chugga, a dead chugga, bat. Chugga. There's a dead bat. Ew, gross. gross Clean gross. that out. Cleaning it out. Uh, you yeah, know where there's a. I'll get on it. Give me a second. You know there's a lot of dead bats. Where? In Symphony of the Night. Tell me. Oh my God. Tell me how is it going? Um. Okay. So I like it a lot. Um. It's it's kind of what I expected Castlevania to play as. Versus, I started with Rondo of Blood because I was like, oh, I should start with the one that's earlier in the series and. I totally respect what it is. I respect, you know, where it comes from and its place in the series. Uh, Gameplay-wise, I'm coming in with the expectation that it's going to be more like Metroid, and it really ain't. So, I love Castlevania. No. uh, um, Symphony of the Night. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. So, the thing is, with Rondo of Blood, Rondo plays a lot more like the traditional old-school Castlevanias, Mm -hmm. where it's very level-based, and you kind of go left to right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Symphony of the Night was the first one that did this big open world uh metroidvania style game so yeah uh you know good to try the old style just to see kind of what it's coming from uh mm-hmm. also gives you a really good perspective of just how fucking different symphony of the night would have been for like first time players oh i i bet i bet i mean i just what's cool is like i'm playing through it and i know it's not the most modern game but it actually has a lot of like very nice touches that make it feel like it's like like just like it feel like feels like it's stretching itself to like try new things and i think that's really cool like i don't know yeah like do you know why it's so different from the previous entries in the series because i don't really know how i they believe got to it this was from the previous game mm-hmm. i believe it was because it was a change in direction to koji igarashi mm-hmm. uh he's the iga mm-hmm. of iga vanias um oh, oh. and he, that that's late if you ever hear somebody say an iga vania they're talking about 
Koji Igarashi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was just a desire to try something new because the old series were kind of, uh, they were still popular, but, you know, they're kind of getting that thing of like, well, we need to spice things up and try something new. Um, as for Symphony of the Night, it is, you're right, it's not, even though it's an older game, there are still so many, like, really nice touches and everything that puts it, I still feel, on par with a lot of modern games. Uh, one of the things that you'll probably run into, and I hope you do, is that, like, just how many small little things are there, if only to be, like, because they're there. There's no reason for them to be, mm-hmm. they're just nice touches. Well, I mean, I just, like, um, I got, like, the save rooms alone are just, like, super freaking cool. And, like, I keep running into stuff like that. And, like, yeah, you guys, you guys kind of have some nice ideas going on here. It's kind of sweet. How you, how you like that music, that fucking iconic music. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, Adam. Cannot deny it. That's, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it, I'll be curious to see kind of how you like it as you go. Um, there is kind of a big twist about midway through the game mm. uh, that's pretty famous for that one. Hmm. Uh, I won't say just because I want you to get there, but it is a fantastic game. I, I like that a lot. Um, I actually, this is gonna, this is one of those things of I've played a lot of that game. I don't think I ever finished that one. I have it on the the Vita, or I bought it on the uh, the the PS One Classics thing, so I can play it on my Vita TV. Mm-hmm. I do keep meaning to sit down and just go through and beat that whole game because uh, I think I got about a quarter of the way, and I. I just been playing a bunch of the other uh, Egovania games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might try those out. Those are on the Game Boy Advance. Those are also really good. There's a couple one on the DS that are also very good that I like a lot. I will. I will have to look them up once I finish Symphony of the Night. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to stick to my buy a game, beat a game framework. So. Oh God, man. I'm trying that, but, like, dude, there's something weird about 2018, 2019, where there's just all these really high-quality games coming out. They're like, I want to play that, too. Yeah, I know, like, I, I, not to get back to Burnout, but, like, there's so much good stuff that popped up where I'm just like, oh, God, <laughs> how how am I going like, to do this? Like, I have still like, yet to play Horizon Zero Dawn properly. Oh, man. Uh, oh, I haven't let's, even, I haven't touched that again. And it looks so let's good! See, like, I have no reason not to. It looks freaking fantastic. I, <laughs> let's see. What do I have on my player now? I'm still I'm still playing through Breath of the Wild, though I've kind of... I need to get, like, focus myself back on that game, because mm-hmm. uh, I was distracted with Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pokemon became a thing because Drew was making... Uh, not not you, uh, short Drew, was making mm-hmm. fun of me for not beating Pokemon, so like, fuck it, I'll try to beat that game by the end of the year. So that's where all of my energy's been. I see. Um, Zach, you played Pokemon Sun, yeah? Or did you play Moon? Uh, I played Moon. You played Moon? Okay. Yep. Is that game just really easy, or is it just me? Um, like it seemed fine. I, Sun and I Moon feel anything. like laughably easy compared to the other Pokemon games, and I don't know if that's just the early game or if that's going to continue. Maybe like I've done good. no level grinding. Well, I've done no level grinding in the fucking things. Like, oh, you're at level thirty. He's like, I can't. I'm almost twice the level what everything else is. Maybe you're just. Really I just oh, one shot the bosses. Maybe you're just really huh, good. I didn't actually reach that point. Oh, please, Drew. I'm not trying to humble brag. I'm trying to like figure out what the fuck's wrong with my Pokemon now. I thought it was because I'm using a team of some traded Pokemon and they have boosted XP. But even the two that I've natively caught and trained myself that don't get boosted, it's like they're still like a level, uh, like one or two levels behind. But we're still like 30 or 20 levels ahead of everybody else. I don't know what's happening. I don't know, man. I still just think you're too good at video games. You need to cool down. You need to calm down. But yeah, uh, 
And then I just picked, I, for my birthday, I got Red Dead 2. And I'm oh, like, oh, shit. God, that's going to take a long time, too, huh? Yeah, yeah. And then there's, like, the yeah. new Kingdom Hearts is coming out in January. Oh, dear. And I've kind of given I've kind of given up on my hope of, like, oh, I'll go replay the old games to get ready for 3. I, I think I'm just kind of jumping and hope to God they explain shit. I just, I like, I don't think it'd be worth it at this point. Like, I'm pretty sure everything I'm getting from 3 is just like, <laughs> look, whatever the fuck's going on, there's Disney characters in it, have fun. Like, I feel like that's their mentality at this point. Like, I don't even think they do, yeah. you know? Well, it's going to be interesting because uh, I missed the in-between game. Like, I didn't play Dream Drop Distance, and I have no idea what's going on there. So if it tries to be like, we're heavily connected to this game, it's like, oh god, I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, you know... Uh. We, we've discussed the, the Kingdom Hearts craziness. I mean, and, you know, for my money, I'm guessing you're probably going to be playing Devil May Cry instead for a while, so, oh, you know. Well, that was actually my thing, because, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out in January, and I'm almost thinking, like, okay, I'm going to pick it up when it comes out, but I may not play it day one, because, uh, like, I don't know. I may I may just get it and put it in the backlog. Uh, DMC5, when I get that, that shit's going in and, like, not coming out for a yeah, while. Yeah. I'm terrified that I'm going to play it and I'm going to be super bad at it. Um, just because it's been, oh God. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm worried. Dude, I'm so scared. Zach, what are you playing these days? Uh, I've been so out of this conversation. Um, I'm sorry, I've been playing... Well, I mean, yesterday I was playing Overwatch. I was, I've been playing a lot of Dark Souls 3 because I said I would finish it and god damn it i'm gonna finish it and so i'm trying to finish ring city dlc uh-huh. um the last two bosses there's a secret boss and then there's the final boss of the dlc and both mm-hmm. of them are very hard um i have heard this about the ring city that, yeah uh, what was the first dlc the first one was the uh ashes of ariendel and you beat that one yeah i did beat that one that one was okay. really f- that one um that one was pretty fun that that one was uh, an enjoyable ride um and like the final boss was like difficult in- but enjoyable as mm-hmm. well it it was admittedly it was probably easier than some of the other than than some of the stuff that's in ring city but i had way i had a ton of fun with it it was just a wild fucking ride of a boss fight yeah and um a lot I of the get other back to, i need to get back to three at some point i'm like yeah. right about to step into the bog i'm like oh, I, I don't want to deal with another fucking bog from these guys yeah admittedly the uh you mean fair and keep yeah yeah fair and keep is surprisingly short you didn't end up spending a whole ton of time there okay well maybe i'll give that a shot i don't know uh but you're, you're liking the the ring ring city or is it just uh, now you're ring banging city your is really hard um i i, I had <laughs> some trouble with it um i like there are certain segments of it that feel very cheap mm-hmm. um that said their bosses are actually really nice oh nice. um the bosses of them like uh there's half light there's there's yeah i i don't think so you're you're having more fun with the the bosses rather than the area and i feel like that was a that was a kind of a common thing for some of the dark souls dlcs where it's like this zone is fucked but this boss isn't too bad yeah whereas ashes of ariandel it's uh the there's a specific type of enemy that i find to be really annoying but i can imagine other people seeing it as not that bad Mm -hmm. um and yeah, and and otherwise it's really good. It's just a very solid DLC. Hmm. Uh, solid as ice. Mm. No, that'd be the first one. Never mind. Yeah. Fuck. Um, one of these days Anybody I should had, play Dark uh, Souls 3. It does sound pretty cool. Uh, play someone, Dark Souls 1. As someone who doesn't have the baggage of playing through 1 and 2 completely, like... Uh, still play 1. Go play... Uh, I know we kind of said this in our Dark Souls episode. DS3... 
you you know what? Hold on, I'm trying to take this back. You'll enjoy DS3. Uh, let's let's. There's I mean. gonna be some weird shit with stuff, but you yeah, might. I, so I still feel like with, one's probably the better one. Hmm. Go ahead, I Drew. feel like uh, if if Dark Souls Three wasn't packed with as many references, I, uh-huh. even then I think Dark Souls One might be like the better game overall. <laughs> but like one of the issues that I have with Dark Souls Three and why it's been really nice to have Ian follow me as I play it, um, is like. Every once, and I've said this so many times, like, every once in a while I come across something and I'm like, that's weird and inexplicable. And then Ian would chime in and be like, it's a reference to Dark Souls 2. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I can safely ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Drew, you might like it. Uh, You know, if you feel like you want to play 3, go ahead and play 3. One is just kind of like the standard, like, that everybody else is judging 3 by. So. That's Maybe cool. you won't. You know what? You may actually enjoy three way more without having any of the baggage, like you said. That's um, my hope, right? Of like one or two. Because I understand um, that for you guys, it's basically like a, a highlight reel of the best of the previous games. And well, it, that's my problem with it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm sure as like longtime fans, like you have a higher standard. You have like all these like, oh well, why didn't you just do it like you used to, like this? But as someone without mm-hmm. all of that, I can be the annoying person who's just like, whoa, they they did this with metaphors and dragons and shit that's cool well that's actually so dark souls 3 is also the most confusing of the games in terms of uh lore lore content Hmm. uh it's just it's they leave a lot more stuff vague oh oh which it's i'm gonna be honest i actually think is kind of a detriment to that because one of the nice things of like dark souls 1 is even though the lore the the, all the the big important stuff in the lore is is kind of obfuscated because it's an item descriptions and stuff Mm -hmm. the main function of the world like the plot of the game is very simple the lore is expansive and that's fine but then the plot of ds3 is also really weird and the lore is also what the fuck is going on levels at times um i don't know yeah. that's kind of it it does get weird and that it doesn't like it it almost takes a page out of bloodborne and that it doesn't necessarily it doesn't very tightly tie its loose ends Mm. Um, but I think that's that's just kind of one of the issues for being the third in a series, and they had added yeah. a bunch of stuff for two as well, and so well, you have to sort of combine them together, and then you have. To I guess what like... I was, I guess what I was trying to get at is, uh, so Bloodborne, I, I feel it can get away with its vagueness because its entire What's premise and con, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the premise and point of like you are dealing with something that's operating on a on a level that you can't, but you are able to grasp and understand at least borderlining some of the mechanics of what's going on and, and, and in addition and, to that in bloodborne uh the motivations of the human characters in that game is always you always can learn about that yeah that is totally on limits i think the thing with dark souls 3 though was it's the last one it's the conclusion of one two and three's story you kind of would hope that they wouldn't have been as vague as they were you kind of want i don't know for a game that's like has that vagueness, I kind of would expect more closure on some stuff. But I've heard mm-hmm. from you and from others that it does leave a lot of stuff vague. I'm like, are you doing that because it actually needs to be vague, or are you doing that because it's expected at this point? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I think they tried to make it interesting, mm-hmm. um, but I think like like the end of the Ring City just left me with way more questions than I expected. I just kind of got to the end of it and was like. Okay, so this and that, and I was like doing timeline calculations in my head. <laughs> um, uh, but time flows weird in in these lands. It does, and let me tell you, the Ring City, like, it just introduces concepts that makes time shenanigans like the forefront. Hmm. Yeah, but 
someday I'll get back to DS3. I, I don't know if I'll do the DLC, but I will play at least through the base game. I just think the the design of the the unnamed like the unnamed one, but he's basically the Dragon King. Looks so freaking cool. I don't know. I, yeah. I want some. Oh, of that. Nameless King. Nameless King. Nameless he just King looks is a late game badass. boss. You got to get through a lot of game to get to Nameless King. I know, but he looks mm-hmm. badass. Him and know, Dancer of the Boreal Valley. That's the watery one, right? Where it's like got all. Oh, that- Dancer the. That's the icy one. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of got like a wavy, ice, shimmery look. So I can see where you yeah, got yeah. water from it. Mm. Uh, Drew, I was going to ask you since we didn't talk about it. Um, did you want to talk about season two of Castlevania? You know, Adam, I do. Zach, have you seen season two of Castlevania? No. Oh dear. Uh, well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I I can I can jump off here. Well, I just don't like say my goodbyes. It's this. I don't want to do the spoiler <laughs> effect, right? Like I don't want to spoil it for you. Do you plan on seeing it at all? Uh, he did watch uh, the first two episodes with us. I watched the first two episodes and I found them super hype. So I will probably end up watching the rest of it. Okay. Point. You know what, Drew? Mm-hmm. One of these days, as a mini, maybe we'll record our thoughts on Castlevania season two. Sounds good. I yeah, think that sounds like the best option. Fun. Uh, Somebody has got a, got a phone call. Yeah, that's me. I, I actually got to get going. I'm supposed to meet my brother for dinner pretty soon. So, um... Oh, okay. are we invited? Well, you... uh, yeah, can we go? Um, it, it, you know, it's a little late notice. Uh, I got to get up early. We kind of got to eat, like, sooner rather than later. Next time. Next oh, time I'll okay. invite you guys over oh. for ramen. That's what will happen next time. Okay, well, goodbye, Drew, and goodbye, I listeners. Do. Right. Goodbye. We will see you all later. Goodbye, everyone. Later! Bye! Bye! Hello, strangers on the internet. Welcome to Nitwick, the podcast about friends and video games. Today we go big by going small. We're going to talk about the handheld market, discussing the tiny screens that fit in your pocket, that warm your hearts and your souls, and the contents within your pocket. Okay, so I need to restart that because it didn't quite work as I read it. No, it worked out so well. Oh, it, was, it. it was so good. Oh, Even damn that it. pause. Damn right it, that there, pause. Where... That pause. Where Drew was like, wait, did I really say that it warms our pockets and the insides of our pockets? That's what it did. That's what it did. Because I went off script. That's what happens. That's the game you Damn, I can't believe you went off script. There's even a script for you. I'm pretty sure he also wrote the script. Yeah, yeah, I would have had to. That's why it's double irony, Zach. Well, just... I'm Let resetting. I'm resetting. I'm going to stick to the scripts. No, no, all of this has to stay in. Okay, okay. A one. All of it. A two. A one. Two. Nope, even this part. There's going to be a blooper reel now. Are you happy? Are you happy, Adam? Uh, no. Maybe this can just be our intro. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs>